Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the takeout ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major. Fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. You know, when the history of 2023 is written in America, the first week in May might be circled as a week of highly important relevatory financial economic information. Whatever is coming next, we may look back on this week and say, wow, some signs were visible then, which is why we're going to do something we've never done before. We have a two-part show today. Jill Schlesinger is in both parts, one right now, May 4th, to capture that important news, whatever it may be, of this week economically and financially. And we're going to marry that with a conversation we had with Jill a couple of weeks ago in New York at one of our favorite restaurants, Junior's. So this is from my office in Washington, D.C., segment one. The rest of the show will be from juniors. So think about it this way. Segment one is all about the here and now. The rest of the show is about larger economic issues, post-pandemic adjustments all of us are making, and ways to think about our relationship to the broader U.S. economy. But right now, Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, is with us. Jill, always great to have you. And I am broadcasting live from my apartment on the Upper West Side of New York City, just to give you a little bit more information. More information, exactly. We have all the geography now fully established. So, Jill, we're just going to do some word association. I'm going to tell you things, and I want you to explain to the audience what they mean. The most recent Federal Reserve interest rate increase. So the most recent Federal Reserve increase was a quarter of a percentage point. And it uh, brings us to a Fed funds rate, short-term borrowing rate of five to five and a quarter percent. Now, this actual announcement, completely not particularly newsworthy or surprising. Okay, the actual quarter point, no biggie. Everyone pretty much knew this was baked in the cake. But in the statement and in the press conference that followed, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell seemed to indicate that this might be the last Fed Reserve, Federal Reserve interest rate hike of this cycle. It may not be, but it might. We've had 10 consecutive rate increases. This could be the last. We might look back on it. And I'm going to put a caveat. You ready, Major? Mm-hmm. But maybe it won't be. So isn't that annoying? Um, And so we all have to get our Fed decoder rings out and read through this. But the reality is that what is the Fed's job? Fed basically has three huge jobs. And we're going to talk about how important these three jobs are. We always talk about two jobs, which is make sure prices are basically reasonable. So keep inflation under control. Make sure that the job market is robust enough so that 
anyone who wants a job can get a job. But don't forget, the overriding most important thing that the Federal Reserve does is that it is the main supervisor of the United States banking system. And so when you start hearing all about failures of banks, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and this week's First Republic Bank, this is right in the wheelhouse of your favorite regulator, the Federal Reserve. And that stress on regional banks will be increased by this rate increase or modified? Well, I think that there is real concern that many of the regional banks that saw pretty explosive growth over, say, the last decade or so are having problems with what's called their balance sheet. So, you know, this is kind of heady, but can I give you a very simple way to think about it? When a bank has its deposits, when you and I put money in a bank account, when you look at the bank's perspective, that's actually considered a loan. That's a liability. It's on the right side of their balance sheet. And so when we all get worried about the viability of a bank and we pull our money out of that bank, it puts the bank tilting in the wrong direction. Like people are pulling their money back. They then have to look at their asset side of their balance sheet. And for many of these regional banks, what they did was instead of having short-term debt or little T-bills that are very easy to get in and out of, just think of it as like a highly liquid account, like you would have a money market or a savings account, Many of these banks invested in longer term government bonds. There's nothing illegal. There's nothing nefarious. It's just a bad management decision to do that because people may pull their money out and you may have to sell the bond at a loss between the time you bought it and the time it matures. That's the real concern in the regional banking system, that bad management has really created what we call a balance sheet mismatch, which is a fun thing for you to say if you're at a cocktail party this weekend. (laughs) So does the stress of regional banks, which continues to be a persistent issue, augur a recession? You know, that's a great question. I'm not sure that the stress augurs a recession. We started this year already thinking that we were likely to see a pretty big slowdown throughout 2023. Recent Wall Street Journal poll found that among economists, uh, about two thirds believe we will enter a recession some point later this year. Right now, we are not in a recession, just to be clear and put a point under that. But One problem that you have when there is a cascading, even if it's a slow motion banking crisis issue, call it what you want, is that the other banks that are left standing are nervous about lending and they want to hold on to their cash. And when you have a retrenchment in lending, you get a retrenchment in borrowing and potentially in spending. And so the problems in the banking sector might contribute to a recession, they might make a recession even deeper. When Jerome Powell spoke in his press conference after the Fed announcement, he actually said the the problems in the banking sector actually help do some of the heavy lifting for the Fed. It can slow things down. And remember, the Fed kind of wants that. They want the economy to slow down so that inflation continues to drop. Right. Another issue that I've seen recently talked about, Jill, is consumer confidence. It has seemed to take a turn for the worse. Consumer spending is a large driver of economic activity in this country. Regional banks tightening, consumers less confident. That sounds like a bad mix. Yeah, it could be. Um, I'm always a little bit concerned when we talk about confidence because I, who am a woman who loves to think about emotions and how they impact our finances, understand that we are mercurial, we human beings. So when I look at the consumer spending numbers, the hard data, what we know is at the beginning of the year, consumers were spending. January, February, it looks like consumers were spending. March was the month where it seemed to turn. March and April looks like consumers are pulling back. And I don't think that it is an accident that you hear about bank failures and you're worried, and that actually will mean that when someone calls you up and says, hi, I'm from the conference board, how are you feeling about the economy? Very few people are like, it's awesome. So, you know, we are not really enjoying the fact that oil is down this week. We are not really enjoying the prices at the pumps could be coming down during the important summer driving season. We're very preoccupied, and rightly so, 
when you have three big banks fall, uh, basically fail within two months, we are very focused on the viability of the U.S. banking sector. But so, in, in just one quick word, yeah. everybody, when you think about the banking sector, we are not at 2008 and 2009. I just want to stress that we are in a much better situation for the entire banking sector because the big banks actually are in good shape. With a minute 15 left, Jill, a preoccupation in Washington is the ability or inability of Congress and President Biden to raise the debt ceiling and not default. How should people think about that? Uh, I think you should call your legislators and say, we want a deal, we want a deal. And you should pound on the table and say, I won't vote for you if you do not increase the debt ceiling. This is a dangerous game. And if you go back to 2011 and what happened with the debt ceiling, um, we got very close to really breaching. Things got very dicey. The stock market tumbled. The bond market was in disarray. And I think that this is potentially a situation where a exogenous event, this thing called the debt ceiling standoff, could lead us into a much deeper recession than we would have been without the shenanigans in Washington. Major, I ask you to go fix everything in Washington. I will ask you to do that once again. Another way of thinking about this, Jill, it sounds like this is the worst possible time for this particular political dogfight. It pretty much is. I can't think of a worse time, um, maybe if they had done it like as the uh, pandemic hit. But really, right. this is bad. Guys, get it together. Guys, gals, mo let's move on. We will be accused in this episode of recency bias, and I'm proud of it because the recent news mattered. Jill Schlesinger <laughs> hitting all the recent news for us. Part two, segment two, and the rest of the show will be a broader conversation about economic trends with Jill Schlesinger from Juniors in New York. That com that's coming up. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. See for Smart Energy. Stay focused. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Welcome back to The Takeout. As I said, this is a two-part show. Part one, we just did all the recent stuff on the economy with Jill Schlesinger. Now we're going to go back to something we recorded a couple of weeks ago in one of our favorite places in New York, Junior's Restaurant. That will be a broader conversation about larger economic issues and the way Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, deals with them, talks to people about them, learns from their anxieties and questions, all the things like that. From Junior's in New York, Jill Schlesinger, a great conversation. Please enjoy Welcome to Juniors in New York. Welcome to one of our all-time favorites on this show, Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst. She has a new book. You can read the title, The Great Money Reset, The Fine Print, Change Your Work, Change Your Wealth, Change Your Life. Jill, great to see you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you're here in New York. Isn't it great to be in person? It's amazing. I yes. just had a little soup, half sandwich. I'm feeling good. Yes, we feed our guests intermittently here at The Takeout. Jill, what's the book about? So uh, this book is an outgrowth of my podcast, my radio show. What's the name and of the podcast? We'll the name of the podcast is Jill on Money. There's also a podcast called Money Watch with Jill Schlesinger. That's and there's right. a radio show called Jill on Money. We do a lot of podcast and radio show cross-pollination here at the, the takeout. Yeah. You know, listen, I think that um, what I had found is this is a personal finance podcast. We mm -hmm. were dropping episodes twice a week before the pandemic. And that really, as March of the pandemic rolled around in 2020, things were so scary. Mm -hmm. People were absolutely apoplectic about what was going on in the economy, right. and they were scared. And yep. we got inundated with emails. We got inundated with questions. What do I do about this? How about that? How do I access the PPP? Right. What, how do I file for unemployment? I never had unemployment before. Right. All these like actual on-the-ground questions that are tough. 
So uh, my producer, Mark Talercio, the wonderful best executive producer in the world, we're talking and I said, I think we're going to have to go to a daily podcast for the time being. Mm -hmm. So on March 14th, we started a daily podcast and we have continued to do so. And interesting, after a few months of the pandemic, a lot of people started to ask different kinds of questions. Uh, Those questions were a bit more existential. You know, I'm sitting here at home Mm. with my family, I'm working really hard, and I'm wondering, is this really the way I want to live? And these larger questions inspired the book. These conversations I was having with people about how they wanted to make larger changes in their lives, but they wanted to do so without blowing up their finances. Mm -hmm. So this book is a guide to anyone who is contemplating a change or depending on where you are in your career, maybe it's an off-ramp of a current career, trying to go to another type of career, maybe it's starting a business, maybe it's closing a business. But what I'm trying to do is give people some help in framing a conversation, understanding your choices, and knowing that it's not all or nothing. There are a lot of choices in between. And if we can do that, I feel like we've succeeded. And and I think this is a really interesting time, especially as the economy is shifting. When you describe these questions that you got in the sort of second stage of this as existential, would one of them writ large be, is this all there is? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's especially something you and I are about the same age. Mm -hmm. And we found a lot of, um, I think a lot of people that we know who are in our age group, who are maybe in their 50s and approaching 60s and maybe thinking, I'm not really ready to retire, but I I need another act. And how do I do that? And with the younger people, it was really interesting. I was getting a ton of people who were saying, well, you know, is it possible that I've chosen the wrong path? How do I get off a path that I've chosen? And I think that's really hard when you're in your 30s and your 40s, if you've devoted yourself to something. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a journalist. And I really don't know how to make my next step. So I think that these are really important questions. Listen, some of the questions were about, you know, should I leave my spouse? Yep. And what does that mean? And Mm -hmm. how am I going to manage? my life. I found this, you know, I'm a voyeur. You know that. That's what we do. Uh, I'm a, We're observers, but the other word is voyeur. Yeah, I'm a voyeur, and I'm, I may be a subject matter expert in that, you know, I'm a certified financial planner, and I cover the economy, but mostly I'm interested in people's stories, mm-hmm. and I was fascinated to hear how people were describing what they were going through, and I was really honored that people were sort of saying, hey, Aunt Jill, help me out here. Right. Help a brother, help a sister out. Did the pandemic break some people? I think it broke down some of the preconceived notions that many people have. I think that the pandemic was, um, it was so life-altering. There are a million of our country people who were dying. It was scary. I think it made us think, you know, maybe I do want to live closer to my aging parents. This was really too much. Uh, It may have been a a case where people said, I'm experiencing a life outside of my metropolitan center Mm -hmm. that is really important. Because some people relocated. Many people relocated. And many people, when they were called back to work, said, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't really want to do that. Do you think that's permanent? Do you feel that there's no absolute answer to that? But what's your intuition? I think it depends on the industry. Okay. I think that it's very difficult to pound your fist on the desk if you're a senior leader of an organization and say, you must come to work because otherwise our productivity will suffer. Productivity did not suffer. No. It did not. I do think there is something to be said for, you know what, we're in the office and different things happen in the office. You know, when we were in a full newsroom, there were certainly times where you're bouncing ideas off each other. Relentlessly. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't, maybe that part doesn't work quite as well. But listen, I know. But as you know and I know, Jill, our news network is functioning and there are not nearly as many people around. We are functioning at high levels every day with, I don't know what the percentage is, but it is not an inconsiderable percentage of people who are not in the office, who are on Zoom. Yeah, and I think that they're... Even in this high-touch, highly collaborative, highly interactive, day-to-day, talk-back-and-forth I think that way when, of doing business. I think it really requires a big shift, and I think it, it, it also requires an uh, adaptability. Mm-hmm. And 
I think I learn a lot from the younger people that we work with, the younger people who call my shows mm -hmm. and really point to me and be like, okay, Boomer, like pipe yeah. down with your like, oh yeah, we all need to be together. Because listen, you know what we also learned? And this was a real big lesson for me that mm -hmm. a lot of people said to me, women, people of color, they were like, you know all that rah-rah baloney that we do with work? Like, let's go out for drinks. I never really felt like that was for me. Mm. I felt left out of that. Right. I felt like I was marginalized if I didn't do that. Yep. So in a weird way, the pandemic was a, a way to see those people differently. And I thought that was really important. A refreshing reset, at least on that scale. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So in the place we're in now, we are about, give or take, eight to ten months from the pandemic's ravages. Generally speaking, are you surprised at where the economy is? Uh, I'm surprised of the resilience of the jobs market right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Frankly, um, you know, I'm talking to you. We've had a jobs report for the month of March where there were a couple hundred thousand jobs right. created. I mean, there's sort of this seismic change in the labor force that occurred. And we bounced back pretty strong. Yep. And it is surprising that you can have the... Inflation rate remained pretty high. Mm -hmm. The Federal Reserve raising interest rates by 500 basis points or five, almost 5% in the course of 12 months, the fastest rate hike campaign since the early 80s, and that we are not actually plunging into a recession. It's shocking, actually. And I wouldn't be surprised if we enter in a recession because when the Fed raises rates right. by this much, this quickly, a recession often ensues. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any of us should be surprised if that were to occur. So that's a big word. It's a politically charged word. Uh, it means different things to different peoples. It means different things to different parts of the economy. You can have a part of the economy that is deeply in a recession and a part of the economy that's in a shallow recession. You can have other parts of the economy that are not feeling recessionary woes at all. We'll get into that and some of the things about the Federal Reserve itself on the other side of this break. Segment two of The Takeout coming up in just one second. Junior's is our restaurant. Jill Schlesinger is our guest. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to The Takeout. Jill Schlesinger is our guest. She's CBS News business analyst. The book, The Great Money Reset. Let's talk, Jill, candidly about the Federal Reserve. Okay, let's. It's easy to throw darts at the Federal Reserve, especially at a time like this, but it seems like, from my vantage point, many of those darts are justified. Too late, too much, not paying attention to data that was evident earlier, using language that created an expectation, all of that, probably more. Yeah, I mean, look, the Federal Reserve is filled with human beings, right? Mm -hmm. Federal Reserve officials are actually human beings. So are the vast staffs that help prepare their economic data. I think one big issue that occurred 
at the Fed was there's something called recency bias. Mm -hmm. That your brain is sort of hardwired to focus on the thing that just happened, and that informs what your next course of action will be. So if we wind back the clock and we say, what happened after the great financial crisis and the great recession, 2008 and 9? What we found was that the Federal Reserve slashed rates, mm -hmm. kept rates low, then slowly started to increase rates. The Federal Reserve was actually criticized at that time for raising rates. Right, I remember that. And the reason was, well, listen, when we finally were getting all these jobs back, that's when you raised rates, and that really hurt the middle to lower income Americans, that they couldn't get back on their feet quickly enough. And I think that in this iteration, the Fed was very worried that it would be punishing people at the lower to middle end of the earning spectrum by starting to raise rates too quickly. Okay, that's there. That's where I give you the little bit of right, ease. and it added that sensitivity to their calculations in Absolutely. a policy statement that was brand new, kind of. Absolutely, and and they really were trying to focus on a broader definition of what is this Federal Reserve's job, what is what are we supposed to do? So, what does the Fed do? The Fed is basically the central bank. The first job is to have financial stability. Okay, right. so. We kind of hope that there's no runs on banks mm -hmm. and we got to make sure we're the lender of last resort. We want to make sure there's not too much inflation. We don't want to have too little inflation and we want there to be a vibrant labor market so that anyone who wants a job can get a job. All those things work together and sometimes have a, a more important um, focus for the right. Fed. Sure. So I think in the pandemic, the right move was slashing rates, buying bonds, making sure the systems worked. Yep. But you have to remember that something very different happened in this most recent recession. The pandemic recession lasted a whole two months, then happened with the Great Recession. And that is we had a convergence. We had not only the Fed slashing rate and buying bonds, but in this time around, we actually had a lot of fiscal stimulus. We had, lots and lots and lots. Right? So Checks we had, in the mail, we had, PPP we, loans. And we had that. It was bipartisan, by the yep. way. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. Everybody wanted the money to flow. So you push all the money in the system really fast, mm -hmm. and lo and behold, you can get inflation. Okay, so there are a few things about the pandemic that made our inflation story worse. Not only did we push a ton of money into the system, but then we had bottlenecks because they were rolling blackouts of like the ability for manufacturers to produce goods, right. and we had different countries on lockdowns at different times, and then on top of that, we had the war in Ukraine. Yeah. Okay. Put that together, okay, it's extraordinary. By the, let's call it the spring of 2021, there were early calls that were seeing inflation. In the fall of 2021, a lot of people like me were running around saying, okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. we, Where we, are the ratings? Let's go, yeah. where, where are we going? And then it wasn't until March of right. 2022 that we got the rate hike campaign beginning. And they, because they got a late start, the they Fed had to go to faster. Really fast. Yeah. And so what I would say to you is this. I think the Fed retrospectively would look back and say, oh, you know what? We should have started sooner. Mm -hmm. I think that the cop-out a little bit is that they mismanaged this in the public also. Because what did they really do? They said it's all temporary. Mm -hmm. And that's it was hard to keep saying that. And I'm not sure why they said that. Yeah. And I think that's a big problem. Going forward, the Fed has a real issue on its hands because, you know, if inflation's still running at 5% and they want to get it to 2%, they might say, well, we need to raise rates by another quarter. Right. Okay, but maybe this all acts with a lag. Inflation's already coming down, okay? Mm -hmm. The story's already done. We, we've jammed up in interest rates, the economy's slowing down, and to some extent, the big, the big issue I have with the Fed is not necessary. They, they started late. But then, again, when the moment where they could have stopped right after Silicon Valley Bank, right. the fact that they went by a quarter seemed asinine to me, frankly. Mm -hmm. I really could not understand. Why wouldn't you just pause and see how that goes? Right. So I think the Fed is um, always under pressure. Uh, I don't wish that job on anyone. Mm -hmm. But if they all want that job, then they sometimes have to do the things that are hard. And I think they may be weighing the inflation issue more strongly this moment mm -hmm. than 
whether or not they want the economy to be vibrant enough to create jobs. If you can, help my listeners and viewers understand, when you talk about buying bonds, what effect does that have on the economy? People hear bonds, they have a, I think they have a better sense of what stocks do. Yeah. But I think, I, even I'm still, I've read and read, I still am confused about bonds, yield curves, their relationship to day-to-day life. Okay. Well, I mean, It's not easy to explain, but if you can, take a swing at it. So let's just think about what a bond is. Mm-hmm. A bond is an IOU. It's a loan. Okay. Okay. So if I buy a bond from the United States government, okay. a treasury bill, I plunk down $10,000. I say, here you go, government. Hang on to my money for a year. And the government says, thank you so very much. Right. Here's the interest that we'll pay you in return. Okay. And when they, um, when when I do that, I'm making a bet on maybe general interest rates, where they're going to go, and bond prices can fluctuate from the day I buy it to the day I get my money back from the government, depending on what's happening with interest rates. Well, the government can go off and the Federal Reserve can go off and actually buy bonds as well. And when they buy bonds, they're pushing money in, like, I'm now the government. I say, Major, I'm going to buy that bond from you. Now you have my money. Mm-hmm. And when I buy your bond, when I buy a bond and I say, you know, here's the money, ostensibly the government wants you to do something with that. Gotcha. That excess liquidity in the system is money that recirculates through the economy and spurs economic growth. That's on a teeny tiny scale. But if that happens in a huge way where the government's buying billions and billions of dollars of government bonds, of mortgage-backed securities, it creates liquidity, money. Right. And then that money has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. When interest rates are really low and the government's buying bonds, the people who have the money, a hedge fund, a pension fund, an investment bank, they got to do something with the money. And you know, when interest rates are really low, they start to take risks and they start to buy other stuff. Now, they may invest in cool companies. Right. They may create jobs. They may build factories. All that stuff can happen. You know, if you're Mark Zuckerberg and your stock is going up, 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 and you say, I just have to, like, staff up to maybe... Uh, Prepare for the next stage of growth. There, Because money is so cheap, because you can get money so easily, you that money is deployed. Mm-hmm. So it is often said that a low interest rate environment can sow the seeds of the next crash. Meaning, if the money is so available and it has to go somewhere... Right. Because eventually it's going to get more expensive. And when it gets more expensive, you have a shock. Exactly. Of some kind. Exactly. And, and if you really think about it, when you have... Only the alternative of buying a risky asset to create return, you start swinging even more so, farther and farther out to the fences. So what do I mean by that? If you're a a venture capital company, you might say, here's a great business. I'm going to throw some money at it. Why not? What's the difference? Here's a less good company. Eh, what the heck? Money's earning me zero anyway. I might as well just put some money in there. See what happens. And that kind of acceleration in the technology sector Mm -hmm. led to the technology sector peaking in the fall of 2021, only to see things change as the Federal Reserve started to raise interest rates. And all of a sudden, there was an alternative. Hey, wait, I could put money over here and make some interest. And I could be safe. And maybe these companies aren't going to grow forever. And what does happen to a company? So there comes the retrenchment. Exactly. And in that retrenchment, as anyone knows who knows anything about economies, when there's a retrenchment, somebody feels the pain. We'll get to that on the other side of this break. Jill Schlesinger is our guest. The book, The Great Money Reset. Junior's is our restaurant. Always happy to be here back in just one moment. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, 
where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back. Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, is our guest. Jill's book, The Great Money Reset, also for the audience's benefit, your podcast and radio show. Jill on Money and Money Watch with Jill Schlesinger. Very good. So in this book, The Great Money Reset, you talk about people who came to you with various questions. Are there any of those questions that sort of got you where you live? Like, whoa, there's actual curiosity, but there's a little bit of pain out there. And am I really the right person to try to deal with all of that? Did you ever feel that? Well, I'm such a flawed human being. I'm happy to deal with other people's pain. You know, I've had a lot of resets in my life, so actually it was interesting to get that. Um, I think that... First of all, when someone calls me and says, I need help with my money, I do have the advantage of being a subject matter expert Mm -hmm. in that I did this for 14 years for a living. I was a certified financial planner, investment advisor, and I did that. You worked on Wall Street, too, right? Yeah, way back when, 100 years ago, Mm -hmm. when Wall Street was still fun. Um, (laughs) But, you know, in in talking to people, what I think I, I have learned, especially since I have been at CBS and talking to a lot of people is that everybody does have a story mm-hmm. and the con- I think that sometimes when you're an investment advisor you can sort of be like a little didactic like that's the way to do it mm-hmm. you know it's like there's a black there's a white this is a math question but in most people's lives there is a math question but it's it's the backdrop is that there's a human being right. and how do you actually help the math question get solved in a way that's okay for these people and I think that's what I've learned more. And I think that has a lot to do with talking to such a diverse audience at the network. Mm-hmm. That you know, if you're if you're on the air and you're talking to five million people, right. and you hear from people all the time, you get a better sense of like how is this message being received? What should I be saying differently? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking during the pandemic, I did a whole bunch of pieces for Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and it was a and you know, I went out early on in the pandemic where we were at food pantries, and we saw people yep. there who said. I never in my life thought I would ever be at a food pantry. And I think that there is a humanity to that, to those stories that we tell. And I think what I learned amid the pandemic is that it was amazing to see how we were all impacted. Not in the same way. Nope. Nope. But we were impacted and we carried something in that in in that process. And so answering the questions, I think I could do with saying, you know, hey, Major, well, tell me what's going on. Right. What is a better way? Or you don't have to do all or nothing. It doesn't have to be that Major Garrett's an awesome CBS News correspondent. He's award-winning. He's an author. He's a brilliant podcaster. And then he, and then he's retired. Like, there can be something in between, you know? Let, let us hope. Please, God. Um, and I think that's... My that's inside voice. I do think that there is a lot to be said for giving people options mm-hmm. and to say... There's a plan A, there's a plan B, there's a plan C. You know, listen, I think I think the first time I met you, mm-hmm. if you recall this, I don't know, do you remember where I met you? A hundred years ago. Oh, this wow. is good. Yes. I met you at Fox. Wow. Okay. In a green room. Wow. A long, long time ago. So I was just a guest there, and okay. I was still managing my company, and you were on the air, and I do remember meeting you. And if I think back to that, that's a pre... Uh, it's probably like 2006. Probably. That sounds you know, about right. Yeah. Five, six, five, six. And... If I think back to that time and I think about like what we thought careers might be, exactly. I was running a company. I thought I was going to keep growing the company yep. and be a, you know, a superstar investment advisor. And to think that like we both end up at this different place. Yep. You're still in the same career, but I make a move into yep. a totally different career. Yep. How scary that was. How making that kind of move was only actually possible for me because I conceived it. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, I had a a very dear friend and I talk about her in the book mm-hmm. and you know when I was thinking about leaving financial services and trying media full time my friend Maureen said to me you need a pink binder and I'm like uh, a what a binder a notebook what are you talking about she goes she pulls out a three ring binder old school loose leaf paper tabs she said okay if you're gonna like blow your whole life up let's make a plan to figure out what's the best way to do that and it was really instructive and it helped me think through hey what are the different what are the different aspects of this like right. i can't just leave financial services and not have a game plan i could do the financial stuff i could figure that out but 
What are my possibilities? Let me talk to people in radio. Let me talk to people right. in television. Let me talk to people who are in publishing. And I, and I really went through a very um, methodical process. And along the way, as that was all happening, and this is kind of the end of 2008, beginning of 2009, it's a, it's a financial crisis, CBS came knocking on my door and saying, you've been on our air, why don't you come join us? And I was like, nah, I don't want to. I literally said, I remember having this conversation saying, nah, I, I, I'm exhausted, I just sold my company, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And I signed a contract three, years, three weeks later and right. I've been there ever since. So, you know, the, the idea that I did my homework and laid out different opportunities and really thought through these ideas and had a pink notebook, mm -hmm. so helpful. It's like organizing your thoughts in a way that can lead you to your ultimate hopeful goal. Which I think is helpful if anyone's listening or watching, asking themselves, how do I get this started? How do I think about this? It may look externally like you took a great leap which you did at one level. But there was lots of preparation before that leap, oh, yeah. and that's a way to think about this strategically. Yeah, I always think like there's a plan A, there's a plan B, there's a plan C. I mean, there's a beginning part where you're like, okay, you've gotta look at your resources, you've gotta look at like, right. you know, what am I making? What right. money do I have? What are my obligations? What do I owe people? What do I have in reserve? How, how long can I get by on nothing? Exactly, and you know. Three and, months, six months, nine months, one month, two weeks. Have I talked to my partner about this? Right, like, right. I can't just make this unilateral decision. Yep. I would go to Jackie and say like, hey, honey, what do you think? Is right. this going to be okay? Like, and she's like, yeah, go for it. You're miserable doing what you're doing right. now, you right. know? But my plan A, B, and C was best case scenario, I somehow figure out how to make a living doing media full time. Mm -hmm. Middle case scenario is, you know, I could sort of do it. Maybe I'll do some consulting in financial services. Maybe I'll join someone's firm and help them do media stuff. And I'll still, it was a fun thing for me. Worst case scenario is, oh, it's a financial crisis. No one's hiring and I'll sell something. I'll sell software. I'll sell cars. I knew that I could sell. Right. Those three things were laid out as opportunities and possibilities. And I had made a finite timeline that I said to myself, I will give myself the year. I remember the saying this. I said, it will be the year 2009 that I will make this decision. Mm -hmm. And I literally signed my contract with CBS, I think on April 3rd of 2009. So it happened quickly, mm -hmm. but I did a lot of prep work and I gave myself an out mm -hmm. because I need to know that I have options and every one of us is heartened by options. And I think you would say to anyone listening or watching, feeling miserable is an important impulse Honor that, understand it if you're in that, but that's not the only reason, or can't be the only reason. You know, it's very hard. Why am I feeling miserable, right? What is it, I hate the industry? Do I hate my company? Do I hate my boss? Those are all different questions to ask, and we should ask those questions ourselves. They're hard to ask, you know, and, and sometimes you may not like the answer. The Takeout Arteca Especial is next. We are thankful, as always, to Junior, as we are thankful to Jill Schlesinger, for spending time with us, she'll be at the Takeout Outtake Especial, the book again, The Great Money Reset. Jill, thanks for being with us. Thanks. We'll see you next week. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome to your Takeout Outtake Especial, continuing this unique two-part Jill Schlesinger episode of The Takeout. Some very recent stuff, which was really important, and some broader, more contextual stuff. This is The Takeout Outtake Especial, recorded a couple of weeks ago with Jill Schlesinger from one of our favorite spots in New York, Juniors. 
rising anxiety about chat, GPT, artificial intelligence, all of these sorts of things. What worries you most? Well, I mean, I think it's powerful and interesting. Um, I have a... By the way, these are our real voices. Yeah. None of this show will be done via... Chat GPT. Right. Or uh, voice... Or or, 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 audio recognition Uh, software. I mean... Though that just sounded like that. Yeah. I mean, we do have a tendency to sound like that. I'm going (laughs) to make sure I have my accent on. Speak like Jill Schlesinger of CBS News. Uh, I think it has great potential. It's a little scary what it could unleash. Mm -hmm. Um, It is um, unnerving to me to have a lot of technology people say, this is really great. This is amazing. It could destroy humanity. Like, I don't think it's going to necessarily destroy humanity. But, I mean, if you look at some of those surveys, if 10% of the people who are working on these projects Mm -hmm. think it could really be devastating to the human race, I don't really know many professions where if you had 10%, they'd keep doing it. Right. And they seem to want to keep doing it. So I'm concerned that... I mean, they're afraid about machine learning. They're afraid about how rapidly the machines learn, what they learn. And if the machines get really smart, they look around and say, you know, there's this invasive species that's ruining a lot of things. This place would all be better off without them. Yeah, or even more um, sort of... I mean, I know that's apocalyptic. How about low-tech... You um, bad actors, mm-hmm. okay? okay? Which is ChatGPT can if you think that fraud is a problem mm-hmm. with um, anyone older than eighty, mm-hmm. uh, I think if you ask the vast majority of people who are sixty years old, if you got a phone call and it sounded like your mother, or your right. sister, and they said, "I need or this," your son or your daughter, or your or or your daughter and I needed this, that, and the other thing, you'd be uh, sending right. money in five and that's seconds. Happening. Yes, and so I think that. There are there need to be guardrails. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned that um, that we have such um, bitter division in Congress yep. that they won't get their acts together to really come together and do something. But I think this needs regulation. Like if you think that financial services needs regulation, mm-hmm. holy smokes, this needs regulation. I'm gonna put something to you. If I said to you in 2007, mm-hmm. the Facebook is going to be the source of social unrest right it's going to contribute to scary things happening good things happening and all of this will kind of create a subculture where teenagers are terribly unhappy right i think that we would have thought about social media and regulation of it in a different way completely different and i think that artificial intelligence will go much faster than social Mm -hmm. media and so that's my concern would it be fair to say that your perspective is we can't be alarmist enough? <laughs> uh, I think that there's no downside to being anxious about this because you could like good things can still happen. Yep. It's just that again, we need guardrails. Mm-hmm. Guardrails are good. I mean, I love that about financial services. Just I like guardrails. You can make it doesn't mean you should make it. And just because you can make it really fast, or just because you think, well, we have to do it faster because the and Chinese one of the are doing you're worried it. about, of course, is all the money rushing in this direction. Well, I think it's the money, but I think it's also unleashing innovation is a laudable goal. But we must look at what the downsides are. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been involved in market manias before. I know what that feels like. This feels like a mania, mm-hmm. and that's the same thing where I could say to you, like, there was a mania in the 90s about something called the internet. We did not know the power of it. We didn't know which companies were gonna survive, which weren't. We didn't know how it was gonna develop. And I think that this, the, 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 the rapid pace of acceleration in this part of the universe is something that we should be paying attention to. It's sort of like saying, you know, it's climate change. It gets, the stakes get higher and higher the longer you wait. And I think that's the same. I think that that's an analogy for for artificial intelligence. You know, we do this on the show with some frequency. We ask three questions. I'm going to kind of make you the same three questions, but I'm going to make it slightly specific to your world. Okay. So, is there a song you think about money that's a good song, uh, uh, like a like a fun song, like a, like, a, like the best song about money ever, or something like oh that? Oh my gosh, the best song about money. So think about ever. that. Okay. Best book about money. Yep. Best movie about money. Uh, all right, I'll go backwards. Okay. I was a trader on the floor of the Commodities Exchange right. in New York. It's my first job. 
Um, one of my very favorite movies is Trading Places. Trading Places. Because right. it took place on the floor of the exchange, and there is actually a fantastic explanation of commodities trading <laughs> in that movie. And that is a great movie. It's sort of snuck in there, but it, it's there. It's there. Um, so that's number one. Uh, there is a book. If you want to understand markets specifically, there is a great book called Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. It's by a guy who wrote under a pseudonym, Edwin Lefebvre, um, mm-hmm. or Jesse Livermore, okay. um, was uh, the writer. And, and it does give you, like, what mar- it was written in 1923, so mm-hmm. before the crash. Right. It's a very fascinating um, look, deep dive look. Right. Um, more recently, by the way, um, there have been a lot of very interesting books that have been written in retrospect about mm-hmm. the crash in um, 2008 and 2009. Um, the, I love this guy, Adam Tooze. He's a professor at Columbia. Um, we've used him in Sunday morning pieces because he's a really he's like a, a an economic and financial historian. Um, now, song. You know, there, there are so many bad songs about money. <laughs> so I guess I'll kind of go old school and say, when I think about the word money and I hear a lyric in my head mm-hmm. I hear cabaret because we're right. in the heart of the theater district right yes, now we are. and so I think about Alan Cummins singing money 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 from yep. cabaret in the um, in the more updated version of cabaret mm-hmm. and I think of Liza Minnelli singing yep. it in the movie and so I think like it's sort of like that kind of says it all. And, and not a Pink Floyd money person. Right. I like Pink Floyd. Not their best song. Come on. And that other song that was used at The Apprentice, not my favorite song either. Right. Beatles Tax Man wouldn't be bad. Oh, that's a good one. There you that go. is good. We'll end on that. I'm Major Garrett, Jill Schlesinger. Takeout, our take a special. Now concluded our thanks again to juniors. We'll see you next week. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.